0: This week, I was deeply moved by reading an insight from one of the great thinkers of our day, Dr. Seuss. Listen to an excerpt from um, one of his writings called On Beyond Zebra. Said Conrad Cornelius O'Donnell O'Dell, my very young friend who was learning to spell, A is for ape, B is for bear, C is for camel, and H is for hare. M is for mouse, and R is for rat. I know all 26 letters like that. Through to Z is for zebra. I know them all well, said Conrad Cornelius O'Donnell O'Dell. Now I know everything anybody knows, from beginning to end, from the start to the close, because Z is as far as the alphabet goes. Then he almost fell flat on the floor on his face when I picked up the chalk and drew one letter more, a letter he had never dreamed of before. And I said, you can stop if you want with Z. And most people stop with Z, but not me. In the places I go, there are things that I see that I never could spell if I stopped with a Z. I'm telling you this because you're one of my friends. My alphabet starts where your alphabet ends. My alphabet starts with a letter called Yez because it's the letter I use to spell Yezimatez. You'll be sort of surprised what there is to be found once you go beyond Z and start poking around. So on beyond Zebra, explore like Columbus. Discover new letters like WUM, which is for Wumbus, my high-spouting whale that who lives high on a hill and who never comes down till it's time to refill. So on beyond Z. It's high time you were shown that you really don't know all there is to be known. You know, isn't it so easy for us to all assume that we know where the edges of life are? I mean, We, we think we know the boundaries, the, the limits, the possibilities, until we're asked by the God of heaven to go beyond Z. See, the Bible records for us over and over again, that every time God shows up or he sends one of his angels with a message, what does it do? It creates a disturbing, confusing, and a chaotic mess by those who are listening. And why does it do that? Because he asks people to go beyond Z and it opens up things that they never knew were possibilities. Those who heard those messages suddenly realized that life is not so neatly packaged just between A to Z. And isn't that exactly what we've seen over the last couple of weeks? as we've explored the stories that are leading us up to Christmas evening and the birth of Jesus Christ, we've looked at the stories of Zachariah and Elizabeth, we've looked at Mary, God did had something in mind through the messages that he brought with the angels, and his, and his initiative that he was taking impacted these people's lives by what it basically exploding their understanding of what the boundaries of life were all about. And they came to the shocking realization... As Dr. Seuss ended, that they didn't know all there is to be known. And so we've been watching from Luke chapter 1 how their lives were swept up in this wonderful adventure of following their god into his larger story and every single one of them had the conviction sure they had the conviction that there was a god out there but after they heard this message and got caught up in this larger story now they knew that that their god was was right here personally involved in their journeys and he had a fantastic plan that would involve them in literally touching the rest of the world so where do we have this morning a third story And a third time, in Matthew chapter 1, open your Bibles back there to where Geneva read just a moment ago, where we have the angel Gabriel coming to deliver a message. This time, though, the recipient is a young man of impeccable character, and his world has just come crashing down around him. The unthinkable has happened, and literally it has shaken him to the core. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 begins with this young man Joseph becoming aware of what his fiancée, Mary, has brazenly done. Now, we all know where the story is going. He doesn't know it yet where the story is going. All he knows is that, according to the scriptures here, Mary has been found to be with child, verse 18. Now, we're not told how it happened. All we know is now it's public knowledge. So this is scandalous. I mean, this is immoral. I mean, how could she? Now, the text is really clear, Mary, I mean, that Joseph has not slept with her. The text is really clear about that. So that leaves only one possibility, one plausible explanation. There's been another man. Now, before we explore that, let's, let's appreciate the fact that what engagement meant in this time of history. Um, when a man and woman were engaged Uh, At this time, it was a legally binding commitment. Literally, at that point, once they became engaged, they started calling each other husband and wife. For all intents and purposes, other than sharing a bed, they were married. And so the engagement period typically lasted about a year from the time it was announced before the wedding ceremony took place. So for Mary to become pregnant was not only seen as an immoral act before God, it was seen as her breaking her commitment to Joseph. So imagine his reactions to this coming. He'd be be overwhelmingly disappointed. How could she? There would be a profound sense of sadness. I was so looking forward to our life together. There would be a painful confusion that's going on. I thought I knew her. I mean, what's wrong with me that she'd end up in the arms of another guy? So what are we told in the story is that Joseph began contemplating a divorce. Yet, we can also see at the same time how deeply he loves her by the tender way he plans on going about it. Look at verse 19 again. So her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling, unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Okay, so Joseph, Joseph's head hits the pillow that night after putting this plan together. He hasn't pulled the trigger yet, but he thinks he knows how he's going to proceed and go forward. But then his plan is completely blown up with what the angel bluntly asks Joseph to do. I mean, this is going way beyond Z, folks, here. Look at verse 20. The angel instructs Joseph to take Mary home as your wife. And notice, do so without being afraid. Afraid. What is the fear Factor here for Joseph. Well, the answer to that is wrapped up in a little word back in verse 19. Notice how he is described. He is a just man. Just. That means to be righteous. That describes his reputation out in the community. He's he's regarded in his town as being an outstanding model citizen. He's considered to be righteous because he has demonstrated in his life so far that he's always going to do the right thing. So fear enters into this drama because to take Mary as his wife would be to risk his reputation out in the community. Her pregnancy has already become public information, so a righteous man, he would distance himself from a woman like this. A righteous man would start the divorce proceedings. A righteous man man might end it quietly, but he would end it. See, Joseph's reputation is at risk. If he continues the engagement and he marries her, why is it a risk? For then he would be taking responsibility for the baby. Oh, so you're the father. And public speculation would run rampant, imagining all sorts of things about him. And yet the angel bluntly asks Joseph to believe this pregnancy is by the Holy Spirit. Again, talk about going way beyond Z. I mean, this is a leap to embrace not only the impossible, but the incredible, but also the miraculous. How easily would any of us make that kind of a jump? But there's more. Joseph is also told to, told to give the name Jesus to the baby, verse 21. Now, you all you probably know that Jesus, the, that name literally means the Lord saves. Now, look at the end of verse 21. The name is directly connected to the fact that this baby boy would come and save people from their sins. And then we have a break in the story. We have a little parenthesis right here. As Matthew, starting in verse 22, has a little bit of an editorial comment on how all of this is the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. Verse 22, so all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, they're talking about from Isaiah chapter 7, behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. So the angel comes with a startling message. The unnerving prospect of a miraculous pregnancy outside of marriage. The disruptive request that Joseph still take Mary as his wife, not as a cover-up to an embarrassing situation or as, an, or as some kind of way of trying to explain the unexplainable, but rather because this was planned long ago as the means for God to show up and be with us, the name Emmanuel. God had planned this long ago. Which reminds me of Isaiah chapter 25 and verse 1. Oh Lord, you are my God. I will exalt you. I will give thanks to your name. For you have worked wonders, plans formed long ago with perfect faithfulness. Wow, what a dream you wonder if Joseph woke up the next morning and wondered if he was delusional? Or if he was fantasizing out of a denial going on inside of him? Well, the answer to that can be seen in what then Joseph boldly does, starting in verse 24. Now, I want you to notice, look at the three things about Joseph's courageous response to the message that the angel delivered. First, notice his choice. He was boldly obedient to take Mary home as his wife. By the way, there is something incredibly caring going on there. See, God knew how unsettling the virgin birth would be on Mary, so he wants Joseph to bring her into the security and stability of a home. And Joseph does it because he's willing to risk what others think of him in favor of what God will think of him. So not only do I want you to notice his choice, second, did you notice his restraint? See, even though they were married, even though she is pregnant, and it wouldn't seem to matter much at this point, notice Joseph curbs his right as a husband, and they don't have sex until after Jesus is born. Why? Look at the prophecy in verse 23. Behold, the virgin shall conceive, and the virgin will bear a son. See, Joseph knew these scriptures. In Joseph's mind, the virgin will be with child, and the virgin will give birth. He was going to follow through even in the smallest of details. See, Joseph was bold in his choice. He was bold in his restraint. Third thing I want you to notice about what he does, he was bold in giving the name Jesus. Now, that took courage. Why? Because normally the firstborn son gets a family name. But this is an act of faith. To publicly label the baby for what God had in mind. Now, Joseph doesn't know how this is all going to work out. Again, we know much more than Joseph knew at the moment. But he was willing to go beyond Z because that's where God was leading him. Now, to the angel's message, Joseph might initially have wondered, God, why involve me? I mean, why can't can't I maintain kind of a safe distance from all of this? Why do I need to be a part of this and lend my name to the chaos of all this? Pretty fair question, isn't it? If you'd been in Joseph's shoes, wouldn't you have asked that or wondered that? So why indeed does the story need Joseph? I mean, after all, Mary's pregnant already. She's going to give birth to Jesus whether Joseph is there or not. So why does God ask Joseph to step in rather than allow him to back out of this picture? Three reasons why Joseph is crucial to this part of the story first. Matthew chapter 1, if you turned over a page, you have probably noticed that it begins with a lengthy genealogy. The genealogy is there to establish that Jesus is in the family line of King David. So without Joseph being the father, being a son of David himself, then Jesus has no rightful claim to the throne. He's got to be in the family line. Second reason why Joseph needs to be a part of it is that apart from Joseph jumping in, Jesus would be born in Nazareth. But as a son of David, Joseph has to be in, or Mary has to be in Bethlehem, why, to register for the census, thus fulfilling the prophecy in Micah chapter 5 verse 2 that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. Third reason why Joseph is important is that this is God's tender provision for Mary in a very unsettling situation. And so Joseph brings her into his home. See, once you begin to realize Joseph needed to be involved, now we begin to see and appreciate the power of what is happening here in Matthew chapter 1. For Joseph was not called upon to contribute, as if God was asking, hey, Joseph, can you help me out here? <laughs> Rather, Joseph is asked to immerse himself in the chaos to risk getting in where it's messy and it's difficult and it's hard to explain, but it took Joseph's engagement and involvement to see God show up. Joseph was instrumental in the coming of Emmanuel, God with us. And now we can see what is true for him is now true for us as we come to the end of 2017. Here's the truth. For God to be with us, it will involve us. In other words, the unfolding of God's larger story in this generation will involve us. He wants to pull us, every single one of us in this room, into his plans the plans he has for him to show up. And our involvement is crucial if others are going to personally experience Emmanuel. The angel delivered a message of radical implications to Joseph, and those radical implications are still on the table for us if we would see God show up for us as a church and see if God was going to show up for our community around us. How? Well, for God to be with us right here in our day, it's going to involve each of us in three challenging ways. And they're the very same challenging ways that they were for Joseph. What are they? First, it's going to ask me to be willing to endanger reputation, just like Joseph. Again, look back. Verse 19 Joseph was considered to be a just man. Some of your translations say righteous man. That was his reputation. We've already talked about this. To get involved is going to put all that at risk. After all, what would people say? And to be a follower of Jesus Christ in this generation is going to endanger our reputation. It is going to impact what other people think about us, and sometimes it's going to be in a negative way. We might be considered foolish. We might be labeled a fanatic. They'll look at us and say, moral absolutes? You've got to be kidding. Giving sacrificial love to others? What planet do you live on? Believing in a God who does miracles? What kind of punch have you been drinking recently? Pressure. Because of what others think about us. Which has led so many followers of Jesus Christ to settle for a watered-down commitment to Jesus because of what others will think. And I always cringe when I read Wilbur Reese's description of so many of us. He wrote the following. He said, I'd like to buy $3 worth of God, please. Not enough to explode my soul or disturb my sleep, but just enough to equal a, a cup of warm milk or a snooze in the sunshine. I don't want enough of him to make me love a black man or pick beats with a migrant. I want ecstasy, not transformation. I want the warmth of the womb, not a new birth. I want a pound of the eternal in a paper sack. I would like to buy $3 worth of God, please. And yet we're warned in Proverbs chapter 29. Verse 25, that the fear of man brings a snare, but he who trusts in the Lord will be exalted. See, our willingness to endanger reputation is a crucial part uh, for us if we want to see God show up in our generation. But there's a second one. A second challenging involvement. And that is, beyond endangering reputation, I am asked to emphasize rescue. Again, look at verse 21. Remember what verse 21 told us is the purpose of this baby's coming. To save. Okay, so think carefully about this with me. The act of saving is completely unnecessary unless someone is in danger and needs rescue. That's why we refer to Jesus as Savior. But how easy it is in the celebrating of the events of Christmas to become enamored with the details of the virgin birth and miss the point on why the baby came in the first place. I mean, as amazing and as miraculous as it is, the the virgin birth was simply the vehicle which brought us Jesus. Jesus. But we're to celebrate Christmas because of the mission. God taking the initiative to show up and save us. Save us from our sins. And the joy and the wonder of Christmas is in having the right emphasis. I was reminded of this during the very first interim that Lucy and I ever were a part of in a church on the... East Coast, in North Carolina, and that the community we lived in had the largest Coast Guard base on the eastern seaboard. 24-7, 365 days a year, there were helicopters from that base coming and going all the time. Have you ever looked closely at a helicopter? Have you ever wondered, by looking at that technology and, 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 and believing that thing can fly? And I was always fascinated by the the Coast Guard helicopters that would take off into the air. Again, amazed that it can even get up in the air and go anywhere. But the really great news about a helicopter is not that it can fly, but that it can go out to sea and rescue people. That's Christmas. Are we amazed and in wonder by the vehicle? Or by the mission. And the details of Christmas are incredible. But the point of Christmas is that it started a rescue mission. And that's where our sense of awe should always focus. It ought to be our focus because we need to realize that sin has killed something deep inside of us that God wants to bring back to life. That sin has damaged something down deep inside of each of us that God wants to heal that sin has sent us off on our rebellious wandering and God wants to bring us home. But as in, in real life, rescue requires coming near. Rescue is not possible from a distance. The only effective rescue is when someone is willing to enter into the danger, the threatening environment, in order to pull that person out. Emmanuel. God with us. Folks, you need to understand, Jesus did not come to start a religious holiday. He did not come to give us something to do on Sunday mornings. Bill Gates... Of Microsoft once made the comment, just in terms of allocation of time resources, religion is not very efficient. There's a lot more I could be doing on a Sunday morning. (laughs) Emmanuel was never intended to be a holiday decoration, a piece of jewelry, or an annual church play. Jesus came to get personal with us. To see our lives transformed by rescuing us from our sin and giving us the life that we've always wanted. Rescue. So for God to be with us, it's going to challenge us to endanger reputation and to emphasize rescue. But the passage gives us a third challenging involvement, and that is to exercise restraint. Exercise restraint. Again, Joseph took Mary home to be his wife, yet because of the implication of the prophecy, the virgin will be with child and the virgin will give birth. Joseph did not physically consummate the marriage. Our obedient involvement to what God has in mind in this generation will often call us to exercise restraint. And it will often be right at that point, right at that very point where we think, Who will ever know? What does it matter? I've got a right to do this. That's right where he's going to talk to us. G.K. Chesterton once wrote, To have a right to do a thing is not at all the same as to be right in doing it. You know, Paul said something about the same way in 1 Corinthians 10.23. He said, everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible, he repeats himself, but not everything is constructive. Out of my obedience to God's word, am I willing to wait? Am I willing to delay? Am I willing to resist our culture's worship of immediate gratification? So here's the challenge. Here's the third challenge. The choice to limit my freedom or even one of my rights in order to see God show up that a rescue might occur for others regardless of what they think of me. You see, for God to be with us, it will involve us. Like Joseph. When we hear how God wants to get involved, it causes us to think, you can't be serious. Folks, yes, he's serious. Even today, he's serious. Our involvement is crucial. For as we choose to join him in going way beyond Z, Z, By endangering reputation and emphasizing rescue and exercising restraint, the lives of others will be impacted in a breathtaking way. Let's pray. Father, we've just been introduced once again to one of the great heroes of our faith. Because we see in the life of Joseph a man who was more concerned about what you thought of him than what others did. A man who understood the need of rescue, of a divine rescue. And a man who was willing to exercise restraint. Father, Joseph is not mentioned too many other places in the rest of the New Testament once we get by these chapters. But he is a man worth emulating. He's a man worth following his example. And Father, for some of us here this morning, that's exactly what you've been poking at. You're asking us to go way, way beyond Z. For the sake of our marriages, for the sake of our families, for the sake of this church, for the sake of those in our community that don't know you, for God to show up, it's going to involve us. Lord, may our response to you this morning with open hands be yes, yes, lord jesus yes pray that for myself pray that for my brothers and sisters here this morning and we ask it expectantly in jesus name Amen. hey thanks for being with us today That's www.RanchoBaptistChurch.org Have a great day in the Lord and God bless you as you continue to walk with Him.